mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it is American Education Week. Nearly 90% of parents in a new survey believe their kids are performing at grade level in school. But data from the U.S. Department of Education tells us nearly half are actually lagging behind. So why the disconnect? Also this morning, some Ohio lawmakers say voter approval of issues one and two doesn't necessarily settle those issues. State Representative John Cross shares his thoughts. And the holiday season wouldn't be the same without those ringing bells. The Salvation Army is looking for volunteers to help make their Red Kettle campaign happen this year. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, November 16th, 2023. So the Senate passed the funding extension, government funding extension, and uh, following the House uh, passing the the Republican plan for a tiered extension of uh, funding into the new year, President obviously will uh, sign it. I thought this was kind of interesting uh, story in the uh, Huffington Post. The 118th Congress has so far taken final action on only 21 bills. And now that was before the funding bill, right? So uh, I guess this makes it 22. But still, that is the least amount of activity for any Congress since the 1920s. So in like a century. Um, Herbert Hoover was president the last time they they passed fewer bills through a a single session of Congress. Texas Republican Chip Roy is among those who are disgruntled at the fact that the, this Congress has basically done nothing. One thing he said yesterday, I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing that I can go campaign on and say that we did. But here's the thing. Um, Is that, such a bad thing that they've only passed 21 bills now i guess it would be 22 with the uh, with the funding bill i if you take out the short term extensions it's probably short term funding extensions has probably been even less than that um i i don't know that passing laws just for the sake of passing laws so you can go out and say that you passed some laws is a good thing maybe the better thing to campaign on, with all due respect to uh, Congressman Roy, is just managing the government without having to make new laws. Maybe that's something worth, I'm just saying. But I just, a uh, recent Gallup poll showed public approval of Congress at only 13%. Uh, so maybe that's a sign that if you have that little support, maybe you shouldn't be passing laws, you know? Maybe we don't want you to pass laws. We don't think too highly of you to begin with. We don't want you to pass new laws. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I saw this on the uh, Newswire this morning, one of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. And I really wish that I had seen this a couple of days ago because... Uh, earlier this week, I had a couple of uh, sleepless nights. Have you ever had that where you just can't fall asleep or you wake up and this is what happened to me, woke up in the middle of the night um, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. And so I'm rolling there, I'm tossing and turning. What I should have been doing apparently is cricketing. Uh, this is a, a new thing online and people swear by it. Um, rubbing your feet together uh, like a cricket to ease yourself into a peaceful slumber apparently uh people online on tiktok and such uh swear by this the term cricket feet (laughs) has 53.4 million views on tiktok where sleepy heads have shared videos of themselves touting the technique that leaves them feeling snug as a bug in a rug one video that has over 17,000 views. A woman named Marissa posted a video of herself doing the technique before bed. She said, rubbing my feet like a cricket. Um, and uh, her commenters say they did the same thing. And they're able to fall asleep just like that. So if you have trouble sleeping, you can try cricketing. Just want to share. If you find yourself into that situation. 
Uh, let's see. Elsewhere, uh, in the this was kind of interesting. Uh, talking about the news, uh, President Biden yesterday met with Chinese President Xi. They talked about uh, economic uh, issues between the U.S. and China. There have been uh, issues. U.S. companies have a problem with China stealing intellectual property uh, illegally. So they discussed that, discussed economic issues. Uh, They uh, talked about um, military communication and uh, things of that that nature. And we're getting our pandas back. So I don't know that the president... uh, and the uh, leader of China talked about that per se, but they say that we're going to get our uh, pandas back. It was less than a week ago. The National Zoo crated up their pandas and sent them back to uh, China because of deteriorating relations between the two nations. And now the presidents get together. We're getting our pandas back. So good news. News there. Well, that was uh, kind of interesting. Um, I, speaking of panda, a, a company called Stats Panda has uh, analyzed Google Trends to discover which Netflix shows, we were talking about uh, not being able to get to sleep. What do you do when you can't sleep? Maybe you turn on the TV and binge watch your favorite show, whatever. StatsPanda used Google Trends data to discover which Netflix shows are the most popular in America. And they went state by state. They uh, compiled a list of the uh, top show on Netflix in every U.S. state. The top vote-getter, the most popular series by streaming on Netflix in 17 states, The Diplomat was the number one show in 17 states, including Ohio. Uh, It was followed by The Night Agent, which was the top show in nine states. Other top contenders included Kaleidoscope and Beef, the Murdoch Murders, the most popular in Mississippi and Alabama. And in Utah, it was Harry and Meghan. A show about the uh, formerly royal couple. What does it say? I saw that list and I thought it was interesting, but I also thought to myself, what does that say about me that I have seen none of those shows? Not a single one of those <laughs> have I seen. Not a single one. I guess I've got my... Uh, binge list next time i can't sleep i guess i don't know uh let's see this is kind of an interesting uh, headline about 36 million adults in the u.s have gotten the updated covid19 vaccine have you gotten your covid booster you remember we said back at the beginning of the pandemic this was going to be something we were going to have to get our boosters every year like the flu shot Only 36 million adults have gotten the updated COVID-19 vaccine. That's about 14% of the adult population in this country. Only about 14%. The CDC says about 3.5 million children have uh, gotten the shot. And you can compare that to the number of adults who have gotten a flu shot this year, and that is 91 million, which is still... Uh, rather low. I recommend everybody get those vaccines, but uh, we've got a ways to go at least even until we get to a uh, majority. But kind of interesting. And uh, let's see. <clears throat> we get our year-end lists this time of year. Uh, an online, uh, online marketplace for pet owners is out with their annual list of the most popular pet names. In the U.S., the top pet names for male and female dogs, respectively, Charlie and Luna. So Charlie for male dogs, Luna for female dogs. We have a Charlie, but our Charlie is a female, so I don't know. It's kind of interesting. The rest of the top 10 male dog names on the 11th annual Most Popular Pet Names Report from Rover.com. Uh, The top 10 uh, for boy dogs, Charlie, Max, Cooper, Milo, Buddy, Reddy, Rocky, Bear, Leo, and Duke. Um, Max was knocked to the number two spot after 10 years as top dog, quite literally, on the list. Um, 
for females after Luna comes Bella, Daisy, Lucy, Lily, Lola, Zoe, Sadie, Stella, and Bailey. So those are the uh, top names for female dogs. On the cat side, top male cat names, Oliver, Milo, Leo, Charlie, Loki, Max, Simba, Jack, Ollie, and Jasper. Top names for female felines, Luna, Bella, Lily, Lucy, Nala, Callie, Kitty, Cleo, Willow, and Stella. Interesting that there's some crossover there, especially on the uh, female list of uh, uh, dog and cat names. So, uh, not as not as much crossover male to female, but crossover in the species list, dogs to cats. Um, Luna actually topping both the female dog and cat list. I don't know what that says. I'm just pointing it out. So, And uh, maybe the uh, biggest news of the day, I want to share this, make sure... Uh, that we get this in here, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, one week from today. And organizers say it is going to feature six new floats. They include a Willy Wonka-inspired chocolate float and also a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-themed creation. Uh, they will also There will also be a new Snoopy float that will debut which will show Woodstock and friends looking out for wild turkeys. So we'll look forward to that. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade next week. Want to make sure that you're up to speed on all of the important news this morning. They said it's uh, actually going to start a half hour earlier this year, too. The start t- TV coverage uh, will start at 8.30 instead of the traditional 9 o'clock for the Macy's Parade this year. Here you go. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, plenty of sunshine expected again today, a high in the mid-60s, partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid-50s. Transportation officials say the two new overpasses on State Route 15 are nearing completion. The new overpasses are at County Road 180 south of Finley and at County Road 169 near Van Lu. Hancock County Engineer Doug Cade says the overpasses are necessary to improve the safety of the four-lane divided highways in the region. What we're trying to do is we're trying to separate traffic that are slow-moving traffic on County Road 180 and County Road 169 from the fast-moving traffic of State Route 15. When we can separate that traffic with overpasses, then we have a lot less likelihood of having crashes on those high-speed intersections. The overpasses are expected to be open to traffic by the end of this month. Get more on our website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has ordered flags lowered in honor of those killed in the Tuscarawas Valley Local School District bus crash. Six people were killed, including three students, in the multi-vehicle crash on Interstate 70 in Licking County on Tuesday. Get more on our website. Mike Cortez has announced his candidacy for sheriff of Hancock County. Cortez says with a distinguished career spanning nearly 30 years as a Hancock County deputy sheriff, he aims to leverage his extensive experience to enhance community safety and meet contemporary challenges in law enforcement. Cortez retired at the rank of sergeant in October after more than 29 years. Hancock County Sheriff Michael Heldman recently announced that he would not be seeking re-election in 2024 after being sheriff since 1997. Just when it looked like the Browns could be becoming a serious playoff contender comes unfortunate news. Quarterback Deshaun Watson will be placed on season-ending injured reserve amid an injury that will require immediate surgical repair. The Browns say Watson is expected to make a full recovery for the start of next season. The team says Watson suffered a high ankle sprain during Sunday's win over Baltimore, but also suffered a displaced fracture in his throwing shoulder that will need surgery. Cleveland is 6-3, and three, just a half game behind Baltimore, and hosts Pittsburgh on Sunday. Dave James on Winning News. Don't forget, you can always get more news online at WFIN.com. Well, this is American Education Week, and with that as the backdrop, let me tell you about a new survey here in which 9 out of 10 parents believe that their children are performing at grade level in school, but data from the U.S. Department of Education tells us that actually nearly half of American students are, in fact, lagging behind. The nonprofit organization Learning Heroes, along with Gallup, 
have examined this disconnect between perception and reality. And joining us this morning is Gallup Senior Communications Consultant Christian Archer. So I think there there are different types of parents. I mean, we've got one group that, you know, will glance at the kid's report card and say, oh, they're doing fine. And then there's a group that they're convinced their kids are geniuses and nothing anyone says is going to change their mind. And then there is the larger group of parents who really want to support their kids' education as best they can and either don't know how or are operating under some misperceptions. And it's that group that you're really talking about and talking to here, right? Yeah, Chris, and thanks so much for having me on today. I think what we found really interesting with this research, and and you kind of hit the nail on the head, is I think there's just a lot of confusion right now with parents um, trying to figure out how their kids are doing. And a lot of them, 64% right now, are focusing on that report card right now. The A's, B's, and C's going down the piece of paper telling them how they believe their kids to be doing. And they're really equating those numbers then with academic performance. You know, you, you said at the top, uh, nine and 10 are saying that they're at or above grade level, but also eight and 10 are saying that their kids are receiving Bs or better. And I think what's happening here potentially is they're equating those Bs and As with being at grade level. But like you said, like even the nation's report card is saying that they are, there's a lot more below that level than than what we're seeing. So I think, you know, here we're really trying to demystify what these A's and B's mean and understand how does that then equate to just kids being able to read and uh, do math at the correct level for that grade. So are you saying that those letter grades that we're all familiar with, that we got when we were in school and all of that, that that's uh, really not telling us anything, that that's uh, uh, not of any value? Or, you know, what sort of um, weight should we give to that information? Well, it's definitely telling us something, Chris, but is it telling the full story? Uh, We're not sure. Right. We, there are tons of measurements that uh, schools are using, uh, whether they be formal ones like standardized tests, like state testing, or uh, more informal ones like uh, internal class um, tests and quizzes like that. And I think really what we need to do is have a broader sense, and, a, and parents need to have a broader sense and understanding of how across the board their kids are doing in a lot of these things. And really, that was a big piece that we found from this research is, you know, parents really need to just kind of go to their schools, go to their teachers and ask, is my kid on grade level? How are they doing in class? And not just overly rely on a single source of information like a report card. We're not saying the report card is wrong but it's not telling us the full picture. Yeah, I I thought that was one of the uh, interesting uh, parts of the report is that you find that uh, the majority of parents from the research here, the majority of parents lack information to connect the dots between those key measures of their children's progress as you were kind of laying out there. So how, with that in mind then, how can uh, parents then better support their children's education? Yeah, I think it just goes back to empowering parents to speak to their teachers to speak to their schools, to get that better understanding, to use all of these sources of information. You know, we know parents are really busy and teachers are doing a great job of uh, teaching, you know, our future leaders and business, uh, business people. But we need to bridge that gap. We need to bridge the awareness gap that's happening right now. So I think that's a really crucial piece of communication on this front. And, you know, what we saw in the research is when parents are aware that their child may be struggling or is below grade level, they really step up uh, and they worry differently as well. We saw that when parents thought their kids were at grade level or above, uh, especially in math, math was one of the lowest ranked concerns for them when it came to their kids' school. The moment they knew that their child was below grade, it jumped to the number one issue. Hmm. Uh, I thought that was another uh, interesting. You talked about the actions that parents would take if they knew their children were academically behind. It's not like they would sit there and do nothing. They would actually uh, become more uh, proactively involved. And to that end, I'm curious, is the impetus more on parents to become more substantively involved 
or on schools to do more to involve the parents? I mean, I guess, you know, what, what role does the school have to play in this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it varies, and I think it can be a bit of both. Obviously, we don't want it to be a way that, you know, parents are overly involved to a point where it's at the detriment of the teaching and the education. Mm -hmm. But really having that collaborative aspect between both parent and teacher. And I think this will look different across the country, district by district, school by school. But again, it is breaking down those barriers and making sure that parents are seeing that information so they can step in because so much of the education happens outside of the classroom as well. Yeah, no question. And and by the way, I, I guess we should also mention, because a lot of times the uh, pandemic will be scapegoated uh, as we talk about uh, the reality that about half of American kids are actually lagging behind where they should be academically. And a lot of people will look at the pandemic and say all of that time out of the uh, classroom is to blame. And while that certainly didn't help, that's not necessarily the root cause. This was a problem even before the pandemic. Yeah, so we can't really, um, from our research, determine why mm-hmm. there is this gap, only that there is, that this gap exists. Yeah, well... Um, I think it really is a multitude of factors. You know, obviously, I do think the pandemic will have had some effect in learning loss that happened. But I, I, I think you're right. You know, some of this was probably uh, an issue beforehand. It's really just... Yeah. Now, how do we get folks together to to keep pushing this forward and keep yeah. reducing this yeah. to this do some to do something about it? I mean, the the why is uh, exactly. maybe less important than actually doing something uh, to correct the situation. Again, uh, Christian Archer is senior communications consultant at Gallup. Their report with the nonprofit organization Learning Heroes is called "Beflation: How Good Grades Are Sidelining Parents." And again, the point you're making here is that we don't want to be lulled into a false perception that just because our kids are getting A's and B's that that's all we need to know. So where do we go to learn more about this research and some of the resources that parents can leverage in order to be more involved and be more involved in the right way? Of course. So I would say going to gobeyondgrades.org is a great resource for a lot of parents kind of looking to understand what to do. And also on gallup.com, where we have the report itself, and folks can dig into the findings and uh, see what we found. It's an eye-opener for sure. Again, this is American Education Week, and uh, Christian Archer with uh, Gallup, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Looking back on last week's election here this morning, some Ohio lawmakers say that voter voter approval of issues one and two does not necessarily settle those issues. And State Representative John Cross is with us on the line this morning. I know uh, that you were opposed to both issues one and two. We talked about it on the program ahead of the election. Um, so what was your reaction to the way the vote went last Tuesday? Uh, good morning, Chris, and thanks for having me on. You know, mixed emotions. Uh, in the 83rd District, Hancock County, Hardin County, Logan County, mm-hmm. uh, our, our district voted no right. on both issues, uh, one and two, r- roughly 60-40, if you want to round numbers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but obviously the rest of the state uh, had a different opinion. So certainly mixed emotions there, um, but you know, uh, I think for issue one, for me, even though issue one has passed in the state of Ohio, first we respect the will of the voters. Number one, We're, we respect the Constitution, but it, but it doesn't change my personal opinion. It doesn't change my viewpoint as a pro-life individual. Yeah. And I think there are, are other many many other things that we can do to continue to support uh, a pro-life agenda, such as helping mothers, babies, helping with infant mortality, helping, uh, you know, uh, when I think of being pro-life, I think of helping everybody from natural birth to natural death. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things I think we can do to continue to support a pro-life agenda and support healthy uh, uh, lifestyles and and supporting um, uh, from infants to, you know, 
all of us as we yeah. get older, Chris. I, there, so. I want. I want to. Uh, there are some some more issues there that I want to uh, circle back to here in just a moment. Sure. But I actually want to start with issue two because it seems okay. as though that is uh, a bit of a. There's some more urgency with that, given the fact that uh, it. it it takes effect rather quickly, and there is a fairly large, I guess, infrastructure, for lack of a better term, that has to be uh, hammered out with, uh, you know, how did, how is this implemented, how is it regulated, how is it licensed, and so on and so forth. For We have some of that in place with the medical marijuana uh, uh, provisions that have been uh in effect in Ohio for a while, but this takes that to a whole new level. And I know that some of those conversations have already begun. Yeah, there, 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 there may be a little misnomer on the rush part. There, there's certainly the governor and some other folks have talked about, we have to hurry up and put rules in place. Yes. Yeah, for, for the listeners listening, issue two was not a constitutional amendment. So the legislature has some work to do to get some rules in place. And candidly, Chris, we've got about nine months until licenses will uh, begin to be issued, so I think we're going to we're, we're going to somewhat take our time to make sure that we get the rules right. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, we need to make sure that individual home grow can't be aggregated to compete with industrial grow. I think we need to tweak some of the tax uh, revenue fund. Um, personally, and I talked with the speaker as well. And some other caucus members were thinking of, well, what do we do with that tax revenue? We're certainly looking at public safety, reinvesting those dollars into law enforcement, uh, helping fund our county jails. Uh, I know Sheriff Heldman, our judges here, have talked several times about our jail. A lot of our jails around the state of Ohio are older and outdated and very costly to maintain. Mm-hmm. This could be a revenue stream to help with that. So there's a lot of things. We also want to definitely make sure that we protect our miners. Um, right. Advertising isn't too crazy. We don't want miners getting access to the gubbies and all these things. So we have a little bit of work to do to make sure that we tighten uh, the rules around this right. Um, right. For, for everyone's protection. You also uh, bring up the point that this is a statutory measure, uh, Issue 2, as opposed to a constitutional amendment, as is the case with Issue 1. And because it is a statutory measure, it becomes a little bit easier to tweak or modify or improve, although the legislature's hands are tied to a certain extent for a certain amount of time after the voters approve this by by law, right? Right. And, and you know, so so we're listening right now to a lot of our locals. I, I had a great meeting with the Adamus board here in Hancock County. Mm-hmm. They're, certainly, they're certainly talking to us about ways to help put some guidelines in place, obviously talking to our sheriff and law enforcement. So, so we have the ears to the ground right now make sure that we can listen to our constituents. We know this has passed. We know this is the will of the voters. And so uh, we're not trying to uh, – this isn't about a revenge. This is not a revenge where we're going to go make this so awful that it's making it miserable for everybody. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to make sure that we do this correctly for safety, understanding where the tax funding is going to go, and and make sure that we can do the best we can to make sure this runs as smoothly and safely as it can, because it was the will of the voters. Not not what I want, right? Definitely not what I want. Uh, not what Hancock County wants, based upon the, the vote. Uh, but statewide, that's what they want. So we'll we'll work to you know finalize that that law. And circling back to issue one, there was a letter that was yeah. uh, uh, signed by a number of your uh, peers in the state legislature vowing to continue the fight for pro-life measures. You did not sign that letter. You were not among those uh, who signed that. Why not? Well, they, 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 that letter was really a non-starter. I think there were some members of our caucus. Basically, they want to get rid of the judicial system, and that's just that's just it's a laughable non-starter. So, uh, there are some members of our caucus that you know probably wanted to blow off a little steam. They're they're a little upset, uh, but basically, they they sign a letter to say that we want to get rid of the judicial system and the courts and well, yeah, and and. As the governor has said, as the speaker of the house has said, it, it, it's it's a non-starter. And uh, 
I don't, I don't sign letters, Chris. I don't join on letters with people. I put out my own statements. And as I say today, uh, I'm proud to be pro-life. I'm, I did not, uh, this issue one didn't go the way I thought it would go. But again, uh, as, as Republicans, I think there are ways that we could continue to gain support and traction for the pro-life movement. In addition to fighting for the unborn, we need to fight for the born. And those, I mean, you know, a good example, in our budget, we have put millions of dollars into uh, uh, child infrastructure. We've put millions of dollars into supporting and enhancing educational opportunities uh, for, for, I guess what I like to say, babies and mamas. You know, there, there are so many things we could, there was, a, well, even the, the shortage of formula. You know, there's there's so many things that we can do as legislators and as a Republican Party to continue to promote our pro-life agenda uh, outside of issue one. And I think that's what we're going to be focused on. The uh, president of the Senate, uh, Matt Huffman, uh, predicted after the election that the passage of issue one would open up a revolving door of lawsuits and ballot campaigns and so on moving forward. He's uh, essentially saying, as we were uh, uh, hinting at, that the approval, voter approval of particularly issue one does not necessarily settle that issue. Would you agree with that assessment? Well, I, I, it's it's. It's part of the Constitution now, so it certainly will take a major effort to undo that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think is we it, need to focus. Is Go it ahead. likely? No, I was going to say, uh, just to interject, is it likely that there will be legislation or initiatives, some sort of effort to test the limits of what Issue 1 allows in the state of Ohio, as we saw previously with the Roe v. Wade decision in the U.S. Supreme Court? Uh, there could be, there could be, and, and time will see. I know it's it's early in the process, mm-hmm. but um, you know we'll we'll see what the future holds. But again, what I'd like to tell the the listeners too is that we also have to continue to work hard to protect against out of state interests or future ballot measures, minimum wage, um, uh, you know, a banning of plastic bags. Uh, all the things that are happening in other states through constitutional amendments. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, I respect the will of the voter, but they're going around the legislature, and it is a political tactic to use these constitutional amendments to go around the will of the people because the people elect the legislators to the House and the Senate. We represent 120,000 people in the House. And so I think we have to be really on guard moving forward about these constitutional ballot measures going around the legislature and going around the will of the people uh, by, yeah. by uh, you know, forcing some of these issues uh, that are funded and supported by out-of-state interests. And I think I just want to let our listeners know <clears throat> we just have to be aware of this stuff yeah. because it's really important that we debate these issues and we work through these issues uh, through the legislature, and we don't keep filling up our Constitution. You know, when when the word casinos are in the middle of our Constitution, it doesn't seem right. So yeah. I think we just need to preserve our Constitution and, and really work it through the Ohio Revised Code. Uh, we will leave the conversation there uh, for now, but again, these are topics that I'm sure will come up again. One really quick final uh, question before we cut you loose here uh, this morning, Mr. Cross. Uh, obviously, as, as you know, uh, you already have a competitor for the next election uh, for your seat. You had indicated uh, some time ago that after the election would be the time to start talking after the uh, previous this past election would be the time to start talking about the next one are you ready to uh, declare that you are in fact uh, running for re-election for your seat uh, yeah absolutely we're, we're very excited to run for re-election thank you for the question we are going to formally announce and, and turn in our signatures here soon after thanksgiving i think we all want to Enjoy a nice Thanksgiving dinner with family and friends, and <laughs> and uh, I think the last thing that everyone wants to think about is politics, politicians. And uh, fair but enough. Once we once once we get past Thanksgiving, we're we're excited to hit the campaign trail. And listen, this will be an opportunity to run for my fourth and final term in the Ohio House. We have 
in the House Senate, in the House General Assembly, we have term limits. Mm-hmm. And right. certainly respect those term limits, but experience matters right now. And I can't believe to say that I'll be a senior member of the House. <laughs> it, it, it seemed like not so long ago I was just a freshman member. But we've, we have passed and got 12 bills signed into law. We've, <clears throat> we've got over $100 million back to our district. We are working hard for our district, and I hope the voters will send me back for two more years to keep working hard for Finley, Hancock County, and the 83rd District. State Representative John Cross, thanks very much for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So today is Fast Food Day, and uh, in honor of that comes this story. I think it's uh, pure coincidence that this story uh, is in the broken news on Fast Food Day, because I'm not sure that they celebrate Fast Food Day in New Zealand, but, you know, there's a tie-in here. McDonald's locations in New Zealand uh, are serving up a new delicacy. It is a burgerless burger. A, a burgerless burger. Now, you might think, oh, well, they're just replacing the uh, beef patty with like a plant-based option or something like that. No, 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 no. They are deleting the patty entirely, not replacing it with anything. It's just gone. It is a burgerless burger made with tomato, onion, lettuce, cheese, two pickles, and what they call McChicken sauce in New Zealand on a sesame seed bun. That's it. <laughs> sounds sounds yummy. Apparently, McDonald's uh, has introduced this in response to a similar offering from Burger King that they call a salad burger. Um, so I don't know if this is supposed to be healthier than the uh, regular traditional burgers. You can get something similar to this in the United States. If you order a quarter pounder deluxe, and ask them to hold the beef. You can get basically the same thing. Now, we don't have McChicken sauce in this country. That is, I guess, unique to New Zealand. I don't know what that is. But uh, in this country, your burgerless burger would have mayo and ketchup. So it's a trade-off. But I don't know. Is a salad burger? I don't, I don't know. But there you go. The latest fast food International fast food delicacy. <laughs> so I'll take a burger with no burger. Yes. People look at you funny for this. Uh, this is a little unusual. I saw this speaking of uh, uh, business items that make the broken news. In North Carolina, an orthodontist is offering a unique incentive for people to come in uh, and... and you know, their, their regular uh, dental checkups. Um, for his patients, he is offering a free gun. A free gun to his uh, patients. Jason Gladwell of Gladwell Orthodontics is hosting a Grins and Glocks promotion where, where patients who receive Invisalign treatments can also take home a Glock 19, it says, that retails for more than $500. So it's a pretty uh, nice incentive there. <laughs> get, get your teeth straightened and get a weapon. Uh, patients who do not want the gun can instead receive a membership at a local gun club and range. So there is that option. Uh, the uh, company... Behind Invisalign, Align Technology issued a statement assuring that they were not involved in the development or approval of this promotion. But I thought this is a rather interesting uh, promotion. Uh, Brighten your smile and get a gun. I would say in North Carolina, uh, you definitely want to compliment everyone you see on their nice smile. Because if you don't, (laughs) you, you could be... You could be uh, in trouble there. Definitely want to uh, comment on uh, people's nice smile in North Carolina just to be on the safe side. (laughs) 
What a beautiful smile that is. It's lovely. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, in the state of Hawaii, they have an interesting problem, an interesting conundrum. At uh, Kailia Pond, uh, they have noticed that the, the, the pond has turned pink. And it is a strikingly pink color. Um, one resident of Maui, Travis Morin, says, I, I just happened to drive by the pond and I was like, wait a minute, this is Pepto-Bismol pink. Uh, drone footage of the unusual site has gone viral on social media. Um, officials say, water officials, people who study these things, say the change is probably because of drought conditions, believe it or not. They theorize that it is due to bacteria and the pond's high salt content. The lack of rain means they are, there is a higher salt content than normal, and that has led to the breeding of this bacteria that has turned the pond pink. Samples have been sent for further testing. <laughs> the pink pond of Hawaii. Could be a uh, new tourist attraction here. I don't know. And a couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. Actually, a bit of a light day for the uh, broken news today. But uh, here is this, our uh, unusual theft of the day. Uh, gentleman, I'm assuming it's a gentleman. I don't know. But uh, whoever did this is on the loose. After an unusual robbery, uh, an unusual robbery, that is, in the Eagle Rock section of Los Angeles. After cutting a hole in the roof of a local shop, the thief, dressed in dark clothing, slid down a pole and into the store where the only thing that he took was cigarettes and scratch-off lottery tickets. <laughs> That's it. That's, that was the, uh, the target. Cigarettes and scratch-off lottery tickets. After discovering the shop had been burglarized... Roy Hanna, one employee of the store, checked the surveillance footage, which revealed the thief was in the store for about five to ten minutes, after which he left the store the same way he came in. Authorities, he climbed back up the pole, apparently, and went out the roof. Authorities of the LAPD confirmed that a police report has been filed, but say they have no further details at this time. <laughs> The smoking lottery-loving thief uh, is still on the loose. Although, if anyone comes in to cash a bunch of lottery tickets with a cigarette dangling out of their mouth, they'll probably be a suspect. That's crazy. I mean, you go through all that trouble, and that's the only thing you steal? Cigarettes and lottery tickets. Okay. And finally, in the, in the broken news... This morning, a former city council member at Sweet Home, Oregon, has gone viral online swearing that he spotted a mythical giant in the Cascade foothills of Lynn County late last month. Swears that he spotted a giant in the foothills of the Cascades. He shared his experience in a now viral video which, unfortunately, the only thing missing from the video is the alleged giant. <laughs> he posted the video as supposed proof, but the video doesn't show any actual giants. Uh, James Goble uh, says in the video during one of his travels, he saw a door on the rock form one of the rock formations completely open up and then suddenly close. Of course, all this happened before he was able to get his phone and start filming. And there's a, a little slot in it, he says, where it looked like someone was staring out of from behind the door. Now, this is all in the clip. Giants are freaking real, he concludes. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> the video was taken down after it received more than 5 million views, but not before some users decided to take a ride. Uh, to the uh, foothills of Lynn County to try and get a look for themselves, much to the chagrin of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, who doesn't want, they, they don't want folks there because the water level 
drawdown at the Green Peter Reservoir could make it dangerous. Uh, Mr. Goebel has made repeated trips to the rock formation to film follow-up videos and lead groups of curious visitors. As of yet, no. As of yet, though, there have been no confirmed sightings. This <laughs> city councilman. I just love the fact that he posted the video as supposed evidence, but there's no actual appearance of an actual giant in the video because, of course, the appearance of the giant happened before he could. Well, I'm convinced. How about you? <laughs> There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Lance with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Hard to believe that the holiday season will officially kick off one week from today with the arrival of Thanksgiving. Are you ready for the holiday season? New survey finds that a number of Americans are gearing up but already feeling nervous. What do we have to be nervous about? Uh, 58% in uh, this uh, survey say that they are stressed about the holidays. And certainly there are no shortage of reasons to be stressed. 58% of us say the holidays stress us out. And that number jumps to 70% for those that are hosting gatherings for the holidays so try and take it easy on the host if you are traveling (laughs) because more than likely they are stressed out 23 percent of those in the survey say they are hosting for the first time this year so you can imagine the stress levels there are just off the charts the survey also finds that other than gift giving cleaning and organizing before a holiday gathering was the biggest stressor. I mean, gift giving kind of goes without saying, but other than that, um, cleaning and organizing is the uh, biggest inducement uh, inducer of stress. Fifty nine percent admit to procrastinating on that front, while ten percent admitted to wringing their hands about decorating their homes. Um. Which I thought was kind of interesting. I, I don't know that I've ever really stressed out about decorating the house. But 10%, 1 in 10, uh, say that they actually, uh, that is a source of stress that is uh, making them nervous. Uh, so with respect to that, and we were talking about this uh, the other day on the show. Uh, all right, have you started your decorating already? We have at our house uh, doing the stuff outside the, uh, the house while it's still nice out. 41% of those in the survey say they start decorating before Thanksgiving. 34% wait until after. And presumably, the rest are among that uh, Grinch population that they don't decorate at all. But uh, 41% start before Thanksgiving. 34% wait until after the Thanksgiving holiday to decorate for Christmas. And 34% of those in the poll say that they judge their neighbors. This is the other thing. Um, that I thought was interesting is not just decorating before the holiday. That is the source of stress. The stress continues after the holiday season. 34% of those polled say that they judge their neighbors for not taking down their decorations on time. And I thought that was kind of interesting, not taking down their decorations on time. 54% define on time as any time past the end of January. The <laughs> it's if your decorations are still up after the end of January, that is too long. And that's the other big debate is not only when do you decorate, but when do you take the decorations down after the holiday? It's kind of interesting. I, I have a friend who says um the decorations, the Christmas decorations all have to be down and packed away before New Year's Day, with the idea being 
you start the new year off completely fresh, clean slate with nothing left over from the previous year. I kind of like that mindset, although I don't know if I could really do that and, and motivate myself that quickly after Christmas to turn around and take everything down. And I know that my wife would have none of that. <laughs> if it's, it's up to her, the uh, Christmas decorations be up until Valentine's Day. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, the end of January seems to be the consensus uh, as to the absolute deadline for de-Christmasing at the end of the season. So something to keep in mind uh, just one more thing that you have to be stressed out about, then you get everything taken down in time as well. So, happy Thanksgiving. Take a deep breath. We'll all get through it together. But tis the season, to be sure. And as we were mentioning earlier, the holiday season would not be the same without those ringing bells. The Salvation Army looking for volunteers to help make their Red Kettle campaign a success this year. And joining us are Majors Michael and Diana Morales, the uh, Finley uh, Salvation Army. Guys, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. You were saying that the uh, Red Kettle campaign has actually already begun. Yes, sir. It started last Friday with Hobby Lobby. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always start our season with us. Mm -hmm. And then uh, come Saturday, we start our Walmart locations. And then Kroger jumps on board Mm -hmm. at uh, Black Friday. And uh, this is the biggest uh, fundraiser, certainly most visible fundraiser for the Salvation Army every year. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. It's not Christmas unless you see the bells. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. The The Red Kettle campaign has been uh, a Christmas tradition for as long as I think anyone can remember. What do you use those funds for? I mean, when people drop their uh, change or their dollar bills or what have you into the Red Kettle, what happens after that? Well, most of it goes right back into the community with uh, our food pantry. Uh, that's that's our biggest assistance that we give to the community. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we we also run a shower program for those that are having water issues or for the homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do um, on a case by case basis, depending on the need, uh, medication assistance up to a certain amount, um, gas assistance yeah. up to a certain amount. Um. Yeah, and, and whatever money we don't use during Christmas, mm-hmm. it helps us get through the rest of the year. So yeah. it it's big need. I, I know, uh, and, and folks will probably hear the uh, commercials after the holiday season. You go back and, and remind folks that the Salvation Army is about more than just the ringing bells during the holiday season. Right. You're out there in the community through the entire year. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have programs all all, all year long, yeah. Um, so the big need is for people to man the kettles. I mean, obviously you couldn't do what you do with the red kettle campaign unless you've got folks out there to ring the bells. And so that's the big need right now, right? Yes, we're definitely always needing volunteers. Uh, we have about 12 locations that we run from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m., mm-hmm. and that's usually split in two shifts. So if you do the math, we, we ring from Monday to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the need of a lot of volunteers, and we get a lot of good volunteers on Saturdays, but it's the rest of the week. During the week is, especially. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> so uh, how do folks uh, volunteer? What is the uh, the process for making that happen? Well, if you have a favorite store, um, you would need to give us a call. Um, that would be 419-422-8238 and ask for Major Mike or Major Jim. Major Jim is my kettle coordinator. Okay. He's the one that does all the schedules. And <laughs> what a title, by the way. Yes. Kettle coordinator. <laughs> yes. Um, and and we, if you have a set time or if you can stand all day, that's even better. Mm-hmm. But if you have a set time in a favorite location, Major Jim will tell be able to tell you if it's already filled, mm-hmm. which right now, most of it's all, all open. Okay. So now is the time to come and volunteer yeah. and get that, that favorite location. And um, he'll hook you up and give you what you need and meet you there at the kettle the it, day of. It's really a, a pretty easy way to volunteer. I mean, yes. as volunteer opportunities go, uh, it doesn't get much uh, easier and it doesn't require any 
uh, special skills necessarily. Just or... stand there and smile. <laughs> <laughs> Greet folks and ring the bell. Yeah. Um, and dress warmly. Yes, uh, please. The other, the other uh, requirement, layers. obviously. Yeah, layer, layering weather. up. Um when we talk about the fact that this is the biggest fundraiser, you mentioned some of the things that you do uh, throughout the year. What is the demand? I mean, again, this is something that we see the kettles and we can talk about you know where the money goes, but talk about the deep need that we have uh, within the community. Well, I don't know if you if you anybody saw the paper, but we were on the paper because our pantry just the people need food and our pantry was like empty. Yeah, and. Uh, I just want to thank all the community for helping step up, and uh, our pantry has food in it now, so yeah. <laughs> um, people can be helped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems like the need has gone up just because the price of everything has gone up, so mm-hmm. it's just yeah. it's a challenge. And it is uh, an extra challenge because, as we know, the the more people, and I think we, we've talked about it in years past, the more people need help than uh, some people who have donated in the past are now on the uh, receiving end sure. or, you know, with inflation, the more they're spending in the store means a little bit less to give out in front of the store, so it just becomes a vicious cycle, I would imagine. And the the, the bad thing on the Salvation Army side is with the cost of food, mm-hmm. we get more people coming in because they can't afford it, right. but we also have to buy the food, so it's more Which, money that we got to put out, so right. we're getting slammed on you, both sides. You kind of get squeezed. So, again, and I bring that up just because it, it to reemphasize uh, how important it is to to give uh, when you can when you see the kettles uh, out there because yes. you really do depend on oh, yeah, those donations. And I I really want to thank the community for last Christmas as well. Uh, those last few days was freezing, <laughs> and I didn't want to put my workers out there or volunteers out there in that freezing cold. But but the community heard my my fear uh-huh. and they stepped up and we made our goal with no problem and. We were able to relax for three days. <laughs> <laughs> for three days, anyway. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Made it a, a Merry Christmas at the end of the season, and yes. hopefully we can make it a Merry Christmas again uh, this year. What is the what is the goal? I mean, what do you do? You actually set a monetary goal yes. for the season? Yes. Last year, uh, because of the community, we did a little over 80000 Wow. And so we have set that goal of 80000 again this year. Okay. Um, knowing the community is going to support, because um, – yeah. Finley's just awesome like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is the uh, the biggest thing. Uh, what are are there other ways that folks can help out the uh, Salvation Army during the uh, during the holiday season uh, as well? I mean, we talk about the red kettles, and obviously that's a need. If folks want to volunteer, obviously reach out. Desperate need for that, but other ways to help? Um, yes, we have um, our kids, our toys, our toy drive. You'll see toys for tots, toys boxes everywhere. Um, there's also Salvation Army toy boxes and places. Mm-hmm. And you can also um, go to the, the Walmart, and the mall has angel trees, angel trees, and you can just pull mm-hmm. off of there. And I love the angel tags because it has specific gifts for each child. Yeah. And I really love to be able to give a child at least one thing that they actually ask for. Yeah, that they yeah. really want. So. That, I, I know, uh, having done that in the past, mm-hmm. that is an awful lot of fun to shop for uh, those kids, too. It is. And I would imagine on the receiving end, when you collect all of those mm-hmm. uh, toys and you get them all in, mm-hmm. start to sort and organize, it's really kind of fun to, to see what people bring in. It is. It's like, it, Especially because my kids are older, so I can say, well, what is this? <laughs> well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's with uh, my wife and I. Our, uh, we don't have the... Uh, little kids anymore so yeah it's uh it's yeah. kind of cool those trees are up now yeah right? um the walmart the, ones go up saturday walmart runs go up but the mall's up now so. the mall is up now mm-hmm. okay so very good uh make sure that we uh, do that and uh the family uh, the adoptive family oh yeah if is you it? want to help a whole family sometimes it's fun to do that because then you're you can mm-hmm. help the whole you know sure whole families um you just have to call in if you want a family and we try to find the right size okay. and stuff all right and um for that usually you buy the presents the dinner and sometimes people even buy stuff for their parents mm. so it's like a whole like it's really blessing. Cool. yeah all kinds of ways to uh, help once again if folks want to donate or, or want to uh, help out donate their time for the red kettle campaign how do they do that they would just call 419-422-8238 and ask for major mike or major jim our kettle coordinator all right very and good. uh We'll hook you up. All right. Uh, and again, the uh, Red Kettle campaign is underway. Majors Michael and Diana Morales with the uh, Findlay Salvation Army. Thanks very much for dropping by. Oh, we appreciate thank you very much. much. 
And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, the auto experts at Motor Trend are back with their pick for the 2024 Car of the Year. Plus, for anyone who loves to cook, America's Test Kitchen is out with a book called Kitchen Gear. It is the ultimate owner's manual for your kitchen. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,